The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Beloved, I pointed out to you in our morning exposition that the 22nd Psalm, the 23rd Psalm, and the 24th Psalm all belong together. And you can't understand the 23rd, which is the most beloved of all the passages of the Bible, unless you first have been through Psalm 22. And then if you're going to go on from Psalm 23, you must go to the opening of the gates and the coming of the king. In Psalm 22, our Lord is the Savior. He dies. He rises from the dead. We have a story to tell to the nation. In Psalm 23, he is the shepherd who looks after those who have believed in him. As the good shepherd in Psalm number 22, he dies for the sheep. But he's the faithful shepherd in Psalm number 23 because there he looks after us since we have believed. And he looks after us even till that moment when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He's there. But you can't be in Psalm 23, beloved, until you first believe Psalm 22, the cross. Jesus is no shepherd to an ungodly man. He's only a shepherd to his own sheep. And his own sheep are those whom he hath redeemed and for whom he died. But after he takes us through this life, and bring us into the valley of the shadow of death. Then the psalmist opens for us the grand and glorious vista of all that there is to be, the King of glory. And all that God has promised to do for his redeemed. And in the 24th Psalm, Jesus Christ the Lord is the king of the kings and he is the lord of the lords and you have the consummation which is the desire of God's people and it is all there it is there for our consolation it is there for our hope it is there for our assurance it is there for our victory but you can't understand Psalm 24 until you first live Psalm 23. And you can't live Psalm 23 until you have first come alive in Psalm 22. So first you have redemption. Second you have the Christian walk and the Christian struggle here on this earth with a shepherd faithfully caring for us. And finally, you have the great and glorious consummations when the gates are to be opened and the king of glory is to come in and he will return in his power and for his great honor.
It's all the Lord. Psalm 22 is the Lord. Psalm 23 is the Lord. Psalm 24 is the Lord. And I was so thrilled. I must say, I just got the greatest blessing out of Dr. Ketchum last week. He is one of the greatest preachers and the greatest expositors of the Word of God that you could possibly imagine. But he got into this 23rd Psalm, and he said, you go to the still waters. He says, you go to the green pastures. He says, you can go to all these places. But when you go, don't get your eyes on the green pastures. Keep your eyes on the shepherd. Don't get your eyes on the still waters. Keep your eyes on the shepherd. And no matter what you come to, no matter where you are in that 23rd Psalm, you keep your eyes on the shepherd. And this morning as I expounded to you the 22nd Psalm, you had to keep your eyes upon Jesus because he was the one who was speaking. He was the one who was saying, me and mine, it's Christ. And now, beloved, when we come to the final great emphasis of these three Psalms, who is the King of glory? Who is this going to do this thing? Who is this going to take charge of the reigns that shall rule on this earth? Who is going to take charge of all the kingdoms of this whole world? Who is it? Keep your eyes on the King of glory. He is the one. And as I begin to expound this for you, my mind goes back to the latter portion of the Gospel of Luke, where when our Savior was raised from the dead and he was on the road to Emmaus, and he met these disciples and they were sorrowful and they'd heard stories and he walked along with them and then it was that he opened unto them the scriptures and he expounded in the scriptures the things concerning himself and beginning at Moses and the Psalms and all the prophets he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself and beloved if you would understand the scriptures you would see Jesus everywhere you look God gave this book that we might learn of the seed of the woman that we might believe in the son who was sent and that we might long for the coming of the one who is the king of glory Jesus Christ is the one to whom we must look and when he opened the scriptures, we are told that the disciples said, Did not our hearts burn within ourselves? He took these Old Testament passages and he just opened them up for them. And beloved, all of the New Testament is in the Old Testament. But for us living in these end times where so much darkness has settled upon us, it takes the New Testament to enlighten us in the, New, in the Old Testament. But David didn't need the New Testament to give him the light that he had. He had all the light he needed. And he had it on the basis of what God had given him here in these Psalms. And he had just as much as you and I have. The scriptures are one. The Christ of the scriptures is the same. From the moment he's called the seed of the woman until he is honored as the one who comes with the clouds of heaven with all the power and all the glory of God in his hands. Now when we turn to this 24th Psalm, we have first a startling declaration. The earth is the Lord. And the fullness thereof. And you have a declaration of title. You have a tremendous affirmation. 
But the Lord himself now arises and says that this earth, the earth, this little round place on which we dwell, and all that there is here belongs to the Lord. Now, I don't need to remind you that that is disputed. And the disputer of this title is the old devil himself. He came down here to rule. And he holds the power of death. But he moved into this realm with a determination that this would be his abode and his place and that he would build his kingdom. And he enticed our first parents and brought them under his dominion. And ladies and gentlemen, I tell you tonight that this old world since the day that man fell under the power of Satan, whosoever serveth sin is the servant of sin. And from that day to this, the challenger has been abroad throughout the earth, and that challenger is Satan and all his cohorts. And Satan has been determined to set up his rule, to dominate this world, to have his ruler, his antichrist, and his man. And this declaration of Psalm 24 has been challenged by all the forces of Lucifer and the multiplied billions of angels that fell with him. Not only that tonight, but you and I are living in a day when this little earth is shrinking up and it's gotten smaller. And the World Council of Churches in Uppsala two weeks ago was talking about bringing in some great world uh, government. There must be a unity in political affairs. There must be a unity in religious affairs. There must be a unity in military affairs if we're to have peace. And the world has gotten so small and men are so burdened with the confusion and the peril that hangs over them that they're crying out that somehow they will be able to manage things in such a way that they can establish peace here by their own power. We live in this hour. We live in this day. And the old devil has come in and man has come in to serve him and man with his mind is speaking about the glory of man and this is the day of man. It's the city of man. And man is moving out now to take control of this old earth. And yet this text tonight says, don't you believe that? This earth belongs to the Lord. He has titles of it. And all that's in it belongs to him. And the moment is coming when he's going to come and have undisputed possession of all that's his. And all the forces of darkness that have ruled this earth through these centuries will be trampled underfoot. And there will be a king of glory who will take the reins of power and he'll give this world peace. And that's what this psalm is all about. Oh, my beloved, when I come to this place and the Lord is saying, remember, this is mine. I founded it upon the seas. I established it upon the flats. And I was the one who brought it into being and established it. And it's mine by virtue of the creation ordinance. It's mine by virtue of the word that I use to bring it into being. And it is mine. And when we're finished with this sin and with the redemption, 
when the purposes that I have ordained for the rescue of man from his death, when that comes, we'll change things around and we'll bring into power that one whose right it is to reign and rule, and he'll be the king of glory. And beloved, as I unfold this exposition for you, there ought to be a build-up, there ought to be an anticipation, there ought to be something in our hearts that longs for the day for somebody to open the gates, for somebody to clear the way, so somebody here, here, hasten that day when the gates will be opened, the everlasting doors will be thrown back, and heaven itself will shine down, and there'll come this one in the clouds of heaven who was the little babe in Bethlehem's manger. Now, before I go into this just a little further, one reason that I thought about this, and I went to reading these things when Dr. Ketchum was here, but one reason I thought about it was that our little ICC has churches all around this little earth. And these churches are coming from Africa. Oh, beloved, what's happened in Africa in the last three years is simply a miracle of God's grace. And here are these churches from all sections of Africa. Their men are coming. Here's India. Here's Pakistan. Here's Singapore. Here's New Zealand. Here's Australia here tonight. Here's all the Philippines and what's been going on in the Philippines the last 35 years in a magnificent testimony of indigenous missionary work among the Baptists. One of the greatest missionary works taking place on the face of the earth today. Formosa, Korea, yes, some even in Japan, but just name it, beloved, and all around this little old earth, and it's been my privilege to fly around it now some, I think, 14 times, and it seems to get smaller every time you go around the thing. And here it is, this little thing we're on, and it's in turmoil, and the nations are split, and they're struggling, and there's a roaring of the waves upon this earth tonight, and we all see it, and we all know it, but from around this world coming to this little place called Cape May will be these men who believe that the Son of God is coming with healing in his wings. And as I've gone throughout the earth in these 20 years that we've been privileged to go, everywhere we've gone, every time we've come in contact with some group, i found them there with their Bibles marked. i found them with their tears on their pages. But i found every group I've had anything to do with, with its eyes lifted up into the heavens. And they are saying, the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. It's time for the Lord to come and take control. It's time for the Son of God to appear and take the reins of power upon this earth. And we are the remnants. We are the people of faith. We are the ones who see these things. We are the ones who are anticipating that great day when the lightning shall go forth from one end of the heavens of the other and we shall see the sign of the coming of the Son of Man. The earth is the Lord. In the fullness there. Well, it isn't tonight. It's the devils. It belongs to the United Nations. Democratic Party think they own it. But that's not all. The World Council of Churches begins to ride with a great deal of pride. Begins to think that the hour has come when it can ride upon the back of the nation. And it can tell the nations what to do. And I was in Uppsala when you thought sent his message to the World Council of Churches. And I read it and I says, yes, isn't this a good sign? The Lord's coming, Mr. You thought. 
and you tell the World Catholic Churches, yes, we're so thankful for your support, and we want you to do two things. First, we want you to give us some guidance. Well, if that's all the world, the United Nations has got to guide them, God have mercy on them. But he said they're going to get guidance out of Uppsala. And then he said, you have it in your power to so lead the people that they will accept and they will be prepared for the various projects which the United Nations is seeking to provide. And here you have the world church, the world power, with a great United Nations, with the atheist in it, and no recognition of God, and no prayer of any kind, and here they are moving to their places of power because they think they possess the earth. They think this earth is theirs. This great psalm says, the earth is mine, says the Lord and the fullness thereof. And I believe it. The old devil's doomed. His day's coming. He's going to be dispossessed. And then the house will be cleaned up of all his filth. What a day. Then we look down in verse 3. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? <laughs> shall the beast from Moscow ascend to the hill of the Lord? Shall the Pope in all his power ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who's going to ascend to this great place of power? Who's going to ascend to this place of authority? Who will stand in this holy place? Who's going to rule over this world? That's the answer. Who is going to have the power to rule the nations and to control the earth and who is going to be able to direct the affairs of the world? That's the question. Well, of course, you know the answer. The answer is in verse 10. The Lord of hosts, he's the king of glory. The Lord's going to do it. The Lord's the only one he can do it. And the more man tries to do it, the more futile his effort is apparent to everyone. And the more frustration falls upon the nations about us. And the more it is apparent that man is beyond himself and he can't possibly resolve his problems and someone else will have to do it. If it's going to be done. And there's only one person who can do that. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Now let me describe for you this portion in which the psalmist cries out, Who shall ascend? All right, verse 4. He that hath clean hands. Well, who has clean hands? Does Johnson have clean hands? No. Did Khrushchev have clean hands? No. Does uh, the Prime Minister of England have clean hands? No. Do the rulers of Africa have clean hands? No. Would you kindly show me where there's anybody with clean hands? Would somebody find somebody somewhere that's got some clean hands? I'd like to see what they look like. Where is somebody who has clean hands? Then look at the next one. He that hath not lifted up his soul under vanity. Is there anybody that hasn't got any vanity mixed up with him in some way or other? Oh, he must be somebody that isn't involved under the curse, someone that isn't involved in the sin, someone who doesn't have the wrath upon him that has been pronounced upon all the citizens of this earth. 
Who hath not lifted up his soul unto that or sworn deceitfully? Please, please show me somebody who hasn't taken an oath, who hasn't sworn deceitfully without knowledge, without truth. Show me somebody that meets that category. Where is it? There's not anybody on the earth right now that would qualify. And the only person who can qualify, as I see it, is someone who's in the skies, who was here, who didn't sin, who took care of the sin problem, vanquished all the curse that was upon us because of our iniquity. And if we're going to get help for this old world, we're going to have to open the gates. We're going to have to cry for the coming of the gates. There's going to have to be in our souls that burden even so. Come, come, come quickly. And that's what this psalm is preparing us for. Beloved, these Old Testament saints that read this 24th Psalm and read it like I read it tonight, they believed that there would come a day when mankind would cry to the heavens for somebody to give relief and there would come this one who would be the king of kings and the king of glory and he'd return. He shall receive the blessing of the Lord. Who is it that God's going to bless? His son. Who is it that God's going to anoint his son? Who is it that will have the guidance and the leadership of God in these mighty decisions? His son. He shall receive the blessing of the Lord and righteousness from the God who delivered him. Righteousness from the God who took care of him. Righteousness from the God who is his father. You know, beloved, in that 22nd Psalm which I gave you today, there are all sorts of things that go out from it. And Jesus said unto them that uh, when uh, he came to the very conclusion there about the time of his resurrection, he said, I will declare thy name unto my brethren, my brethren. In Matthew, where that is referred to, it says, go tell my brethren that I will go before them into Galilee. I have not yet ascended to my Father and to your Father. He makes a line of distinction between the way in which the Father deals with him and his relationship to the Father as the eternal Son and our relationship to the Father as the sons of adoption. He makes that clear distinction. And that distinction comes out at this particular point. Here he is sinless. Here he has the righteousness of God. There's not been a single speck of darkness upon him. There's nothing that in any way has defiled him. And he is the one with the clean hands that only can take the reins of power and rule over this earth and give us that day when the knowledge of the Lord will cover this earth like the waters cover the sea. Oh, beloved, you and I have lived in this 20th century in the midst of all kind of false and foul preaching. When I was growing up as a boy, I used to hear the preachers talk about that the earth was getting better and better and every day we were all getting better and better and it wouldn't be long until we'll have this wonderful world of peace and we were going to usher it in. And man was going to establish this marvelous kingdom upon this earth. And when we got it all fixed up and all corrected and all prepared, then we'd be very polite and we'd turn it over to Jesus. Now that's what we used to hear. Everybody heard. 
And then the First World War came on and we began to get a little disillusioned. And the Second World War came along, we got more disillusioned. And the atomic bombs came along and we don't know where our delusion is. And here we are and what has happened to us? But man was going to make the world over and we were going to do it with education. We were going to do it with religion. We were going to do it with the brilliance of our attainments. And where are we tonight? We're over the abyss, and we're so intimidated by the atomic bomb that, well, we'd like to have peace, but without surrender. We've gotten about victory. Nobody wants victory. Everybody's trembling and shaking and scared to death of these poor communists for fear they might blow the world up. Well, beloved, I have no worries at all about the communists blowing the world up because this, 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 this particular passage says the earth belongs to the Lord. And furthermore, I have no worries about the atomic bombs blowing us all to pieces because the Bible says that when the Lord comes, there'll still be some of us here. We're not going to all be annihilated. We're not going to all be destroyed. These things are not going to take place, and we know they're not going to take place on the basis of divine revelation. And so we move without fear. We stand for that which is righteous because it is righteous. We stand for that which is right and true because it's true. And then God delivers. God takes care. God provides. That's the kind of a God that we have. And he wants us to believe. Oh, beloved, when I come to this passage, now notice verse 6. I want you to see an additional development here. As of the present time, we're having a description of this Savior of ours who's going to be the King of Kings. And then in verse 6, he says, This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. This is the generation of the ICC that seek him, and seek thy face, O Jacob. This is the generation of those who believe in the cross and the sacrifice. Those who believe in the shepherd who's kept us even through the door of death. This is the generation of those who are waiting for the Lord to come and take possession and whose right it is to reign. He'll pick up the reins of power and he'll rule over this earth. We're that people. And in this passage where we've had this tremendous exaltation of the one with clean hands, where we've had this tremendous exaltation of the one with a pure heart. He could only be the Son of God. He couldn't be Carl McIntyre. He couldn't be you. He couldn't be Bob Ketchum. He couldn't be the ICC. There's nobody in the ICC that has a pure heart. Our hearts are wicked. Our hearts have to be cleansed. Our hearts have to be sanctified. Our hearts have to be brought into subjection and brought into bondage to the law of God and let the law of God be written in our hearts. Oh, what Christ can do. And when we see it here in this psalm and we see him, then it is that the Lord brings with him his people. Then it is that the Lord carries with him his redeemed. Then it is that the Lord gathers about him those for whom he died. Oh, beloved, everything Christ did was for us. Everything he did was for us. And he's not going to go ahead without us. He's not going to move into his kingdom without us. We're going to live and reign with him. 
we're going to be gathered with him. Even them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. When he comes, we come. Where he goes, we go. Where he reigns, we reign. Know ye not that the saints shall judge the earth? Now may I stop here for just a moment. I want to put in something at this point. We've got the earth and the title there. We have our Savior with clean hands and he's the one who's going to do the job. We have the Savior bringing us along with him and we're the generation that he's going to set up and we're going to see these things. Beloved, I want to say to you right now that what we have here has to be divine revelation. No mind of man ever thought up or conjured up such a thing as this. No little puny mind down here, darkened by sin and under the curse of death, ever concocted such a vision as this. This is the vision of God. This is the revelation of the Creator. This is the mind of Almighty God. And I say to you people, thank God that the God who created us did not leave us without a witness. He did not leave us in darkness. He did not leave us in ignorance. He gave us a revelation. He gave us a promise. He said his son would come. And from the beginning of Genesis when the curse fell, he said to our first parents that he would take the seed of a woman and from that woman would come this one who would deal with Satan. He would bruise his head. He would trample him underfoot. And the day would come when there would be a restoration and a recreation and a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness would dwell. But who will bring the righteousness? Who will establish the righteousness? Your political leaders? No. Your ecclesiastical leaders? No. Only Jesus. My friend, this Bible says that God has so ordained things, everything, that no flesh will glory in his presence. There will be no basis, no account, no opportunity for anyone to rise and claim any of the glory that belongs to Jesus Christ. Well, beloved, when you get to this place, you know where you are? You're ready to sit back and sit down and say, not I, Lord. Not I. It's yours. Hurry up and come. Get those gates open. Hurry, hurry, Lord. Come and let's see this thing straightened out. Let's see these things put in shape like they should. Now notice, verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. There's going to have to be some king from somewhere. He's going to have to come. It's not going to be anything that man will ever produce on this earth. Not changing political structures. Not new social system. Not a world socialism with its fraternal society. Nothing of that. Oh, he says there's going to come somewhere a king is going to have to arrive. 
Now here's a point, and I don't think I'm reading anything into the scripture. I don't think I'm reading anything here. Would you notice verse 6? And I wondered why that phrase, Old Jacob, is stuck in there. We get along very well without that. It didn't have to be there. Why did he put in that little phrase? Old Jacob, old Jacob, old Jacob. What's that got to do with it? We're the generation that seek him. Doesn't that include Jacob too? <laughs> yes, what did he get little Jacob in there for? I'll tell you. And I'm sure that many of, it saw, many of them saw it in those days. As you and I can see it now and begin to see it. We're all concerned about the Middle East, Jerusalem. It shall be trodden down until the times of these Gentiles be fulfilled. Old Jacob's got some troubles. Old Jacob has problems. Jacob, Jacob. But as I see this, when this Son of God comes back, Zechariah says his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. And the battle of Armageddon, the gathering of the armies of the nations together against that little land. And there'll be this grand gathering of united nations or whatever you want to call it. They'll all be there to crush and destroy that little band. And then it is when you turn to Romans 9, 10, and 11. And you come into the closing pictures after Paul says there's a day of grace and Israel will be saved. There'll be a remnant according to the election of grace. Then he says there'll be a day when all Israel will be saved. And he speaks of that great moment in beloved. It will be in the darkest hour in the history that Jacob has ever had. In that darkest of all moments upon this earth. Then it will be that the king will appear in the clouds and the gates will be opened and he will come down and they'll look upon him whom they have pierced and they shall wail because of him and they shall see him and they shall own him as the Messiah whom they rejected as the seed and the offspring of David and beloved I think that little reference to Jacob stuck in there in the 24th Psalm has reference to that day when the gates are going to open and the old king is going to come in his glory and Jacob's going to share in the deliverance which he'll bring to this old earth in that moment. And then he'll come, beloved, and you'll have the judgment that the Bible speak of. And he's going to take a rod of iron. And as Dr. Ketchum said in the Tekken Psalm, he's going to dash into pieces the nations like a potter's vessel, a vessel of clay. And then he's going to set up his reign. He's going to set up his rule. He's going to give us peace. He'll give us order. He'll give us economic prosperity. And every man will sit under his own vine and take figs off his own fig tree. These are the days that are just before us, beloved, and this is what the psalmist is speaking about here. As the ruin has come to man, it is to be restored. As the curse is upon the ground, it is to be lifted. As the condemnation is upon the nations, it is to be repaired. And the one who will do this is Jesus Christ, our Savior. He will do it.
Now look at the cry. We're ready for it. Lord, we're ready for it. Look at this cry. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up. Oh, the doors that are eternal. Let heaven open its doors. The king of glory is getting ready to come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong. He was strong when he went into that tomb because God gave him the power to come out of it again. And mighty, he has the power to save souls and make new creatures. The Lord mighty in battle, he is indeed the Lord of hosts who goes before and delivers his people. And beloved, when we come to this ICC convention and we pass resolutions, the only thing we're interested in passing our resolutions is that we bear witness to the truth as God has revealed it to us. And the mighty God will take that witness and use it around the world as it pleases him. We are not a people of compromise. We are not a people of expediency. We are not a people who have vain dreams. We are a people of revelation. We are a people of obedience. We are a people who have been bought by the price of the blood of the Son of God and sealed. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, verse 9, even lift them up, ye everlasting door. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Who is he? The Lord. When he was raised from the dead and he talked to those on the road to him, he said, should not Christ have suffered? And enter into his glory. And taking the scriptures, he showed them first his sufferings, and second the glory that would follow. How long, O oh Lord, how long? And because we are a people of eternity, we are a people who possess a life which none can crush. All the tyrants and all the powers of this earth cannot crush us. They cannot destroy that which is in us, which Christ has given to us, and we shall stand and we shall suffer. We shall lose properties. We shall go to prison. Men shall be put in their graves. They shall go into the underground as they are in Russia tonight. And we are one with the suffering Christians in Russia tonight. They are our brethren. The Lord says, the earth is mine. Just wait. All the fullness there is mine. And I have what you need to take care of you to be my witness now during this period when you have the good shepherd and the good shepherd takes that care of you. He died for you and he'll be faithful and he'll lead you. But oh, beloved, that moment is coming when the heaven shall open, the trumpet shall sound. That moment is coming when the armies of the kings of this earth will take to the skies to try to stop the invader as he comes with a sword in his mouth. And he shall come, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Here's the cross with its blood. Here's our life with its power. Here's our hope with its victory. And all of that is in Psalm 22, 23, and 24. Open the gates. Oh, heaven, come open heaven. Oh, nations in your darkness, there's healing, there's balm, there's great consolation from the skies. 
And it's going to come when Jesus Christ comes. Now, beloved, I've unfolded this to you tonight. And all in the world I've done is to take the 24th Psalm and go down through it and expound it for you, which every minister ought to do. That's my task. But as I've done it, we've seen the interweaving of these realities with the filth and with the awful tyrannies that surround us today. And in the midst of this, we turn and we say, our task is to exalt Jesus Christ. Our only task is to take the knowledge of him and to preach his name and to tell men everywhere that in him we are united and the union which the ICC will manifest and which we represent among the people of God is a union that the Spirit has purchased and given to us. And it has nothing to do with all the talk and all the uh, trading and all the compromising that's going on between Rome and apostate Protestantism today. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. This is the way it is. This is the way it's going to be. And oh, Jesus, it took the scriptures and their hearts burned within them as he opened to them these things concerning First, his sufferings, and second, the glory which is to be revealed. Remember this, my friend, when you're the only one in your community that's separated and you worship by yourself. Remember this, beloved, when you're tempted to continue in fellowship with these apostates, the bishop pikes, the altizers, the Dr. Blake, these men. Oh, may the gates be opened in a hurry. May the doors swing wide. And let him come, let him come with power and great glory. With all the hosts of heaven following him. Jesus Christ, our Savior. Is this hope in your heart? Oh, how you long to see him, how long to, ne- to be near him, how long to just look upon his face. Oh, if you could just see Jesus. Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. To see him as he is. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank Thee that we've been close to glory tonight. We've seen the King. And He has clean hands. He has a pure heart. He's given to righteousness. He's the one. But, oh, Father, we thank Thee that Thou hast this old earth. Thou hast the title deed to it. And the old devil's going to be completely removed from it. And we know it. And we long for that day when there shall be no more curse, no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow and tears. For the former things will have passed away. 
And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven say, Behold, I make all things new. Father, take charge of our hearts. And may we have the greatest time together as thy people. May we just enjoy being with one another. Out of every tongue, out of every language, out of every people, out of every nation, out of every race, white, black, brown, red, yellow, we'll be here. But we shall look upon Jesus our Savior. Amen.